3: Hey everybody, today we're debating whether or not God exists, and we're starting right now. With Dr. Michael Brown's opening statement, I want to let you know, folks, Dr. Michael Brown is an American radio host, author, apologist, scholar, and proponent of Messianic Judaism. Thanks so much for being with us, Dr. Brown, and the floor is all yours.
1: Hey, thanks everyone for tuning in, and thanks Apostate Prophet, who henceforth will be AP, for reaching out to do this debate. Uh, to be honest, I don't do a lot of debates on the existence of God. But what, what I found is when I have done them and I presented what I thought are really brilliant arguments, I'll look at some of the comments and responses from atheists and they think they're absurd. You know, my points are absurd. And then I'll, I'll hear the very best points the atheist makes and think, you got to be kidding me. That's an argument. So sometimes we're like ships passing in, in the wind. So my, my, my goal is that I present what I believe in why. Why I'm 100% sure that God is real. And then interact with AP's arguments uh, against the existence of God. And then you can sort these things out for yourself. So for me, there are four main areas in terms of why I'm so sure about the existence of God. Uh, One is my own experiences as a follower of Jesus the last 50 years, along with experiences of millions of believers worldwide, many improved stories I know personally. And then second, the large prophetic truths of scripture laying out history in advance. And then third, the nature of creation right down to our DNA and cells, just following the evidence. And fourth, the existence of moral absolutes and our sense of destiny and purpose. This is not necessarily to convince you, but to explain why I'm sure. So my own experience, first as a 16 year old kid, heavy drug user, playing drums in a rock band with no interest in God and absolutely no desire to change and no belief in Jesus, People in the little church started praying for me without me even knowing it. And kind of overnight, instead of boasting about what I was doing and being so proud of it, I became embarrassed. I felt wrong about it. It was the strangest turnaround. The Bible calls it the conviction of sin, but it was the Holy Spirit beginning to work in my life when I had no interest in God. And then when I I began to believe and realize that that Jesus had died for me and rose from the dead, and opened my heart to God, I had a, a radical, dramatic, wonderful conversion experience and here I've been shooting heroin and doing these other drugs, I, I was set free instantly. You know those things make an impression on you and then right around that same time I got a bad case of hives and I had these you know terrible blotches all over my skin and had to take medicine over a course of a week to get rid of it and I got off the medicine and came back brutally one day. I prayed with some friends and then within two minutes was healed. That gets your attention But then it's been 50 years of really having a relationship with God. I I mean, times that I'll feel that the Lord wants, requires a certain thing of me. And I do it privately without anyone else knowing all these doors that are supposed to open that open or I I may have had it hundreds of times where I go to speak and feel led to change subjects and go on this obscure verse with an obscure topic only to find out that's the very thing that the church was dealing with or in prayer one day, get a sense, you're gonna hear from a particular country you haven't been to in years and years, and they're gonna invite you to speak, and you're gonna get the call tomorrow. And the call comes tomorrow to that country in the most random way connected to me. When it was 50 years of that, I would have to deny reality, to deny that that God is actively at work in my life. And then, you know, documented healings. You know, I'm thinking about a woman named Barbara, Degenerating with MS, 16 years hospitalized, uh, loses uh, control of her bodily functions, has to live with canisters of oxygen being pumped into her, into her lungs. She went legally blind, feeding tube inserted into her stomach. I, I mean, just in a fetal position, muscles atrophy, can't walk. Uh, Mayo Clinic said the only hope is to pray for a miracle. She's on hospice care at home. There was massive prayer for her. She hears a voice distinctly say to her, my child, get up and walk. She, this is documented. The doctors wrote the story. Um, she, she hears that voice, calls her family into her room, gets up walking, completely healed. I, I mean, vision back, muscles reformed. There's crazy stories like that. Man, Brazil, blind over 50 years, because as a five-year-old, he, he accidentally spilled muriatic acid into his eyes, and they're just coated over with scar tissue completely healed and seeing uh, Randy Clark's doctoral thesis, a study of the effects of Christian prayer on pain and mobility restruct- restrictions from surgery involving implanted materials, studying 795 cases from 2012, or this article published in the Southern Medical Journal study of the therapeutic effects of proximal intercessory prayer on auditory and visual impairments in rural Mozambique where they went in with doctors and, and checked and measured. Uh, these kinds of things, make an impression. We know that most of the people we pray for that are sick won't be healed. We know there's suffering and pain in this world, but then God is is working in ways that are undeniably him that have no other logical explanation. And then scripture, when the word of God lays out the destiny of the Jewish people, the people of Israel centuries in advance, when it speaks of them being scattered to other nations, the nations to which they're scattered will will be no more, like the Babylonian Empire and the Assyrian Empire, and that they will be few in number, reduced to few in number, but they will be preserved and they will be brought back to the land and that this will happen with Jerusalem as the the city of controversy of the whole world. This is not just guesswork. There is no people ever in history who have been scattered from their homeland over a period of centuries who then retain their, their identity and and then return back to the land of their homeland it's never happened but god laid it out in the word that it would happen or even talking about this obscure carpenter from nazareth jesus who would who would reportedly die and rise from the dead be rejected by his own people become a light to the world and the nations would receive him it's written out in advance it happens so that that's an evidence to me of the bible being god's word so uh, I'm I'm not a scientist, but I can read evidence. I can I can listen to other scientists, and I don't believe in what you call the God of the gaps, but rather following the evidence. So the origin of the universe, the origin of life, human DNA, the cell, mathematical fine tuning of the universe. Uh, I agree with former atheist Anthony Flew, who said I now believe that the universe was brought into existence by an infinite intelligence. And I believe that this universe's intricate laws manifest what scientists have called the mind of God. He said, what I think the DNA material has done is that it is shown by the almost unbelievable complexity of the arrangements which are needed to produce life. That intelligence must have been involved in getting these extraordinary diverse elements to work together. Or William Dembski, the fundamental claim of intelligent design is straightforward and easily intelligible. Namely, there are natural systems that cannot be adequately explained in terms of undirected natural forces that exhibit features, which in any other circumstance we'd attribute to intelligence. So, you know, if we have an entire transcript of this debate printed out and then hundreds of comments of people interacting, obviously that didn't just happen in a random way. There was thought involved, there was planning involved, there was intelligent interaction involved. And yet, you know, that's a fraction of the design of the universe, a fraction of a fraction of design of, of human beings. Uh, you know, a worm is, is more complex than an iPhone. And yet we'd never doubt in a million years that, that people put the iPhone together and research and technology built into it. So when when we understand that, that the universe operates on mathematical principles and just a slight switch one way or another, we wouldn't even be here, that is. That again reaffirms to me, this is not my primary argument, but it reaffirms the reality of this God that I know and walk with. Uh, Edward Robert Harrison, astronomer and cosmologist said, take your choice, blind chance that requires multitudes of universes or design that requires only one. Many scientists when they admit their views incline toward the teleological or design argument. And it still comes back to the idea of nothing creating everything. So it comes down to the idea of, of DNA, which is extraordinarily complex. If we if we read one letter of the DNA code per second, it would take some like 96 years to, to read it out. And, and we're coded with that basically with conception with the two cells coming together. Uh, it, it's, it's an extraordinary detailed system that God set up. And then when we factor in the biblical narrative, human sin, the fall, why things are the way they are, then it makes sense, this glorious order, and yet imperfect in so many ways. And then just human nature, um, when it comes to morality and destiny, uh, our hatred of injustice or rejection of the idea of survival of the fittest, which is the very fundamental reality of evolution, the, the whole discussion we'll have on the problem of evil. Uh, there is no problem of evil if there is no God. There, there is no concept of evil, of, of ultimate morality. If there is no God, I'm not saying an atheist can't be a kind person or a caring person. I'm simply saying that there are no moral absolutes. There are no human inalienable rights unless there's a God who created us. The the human conscience goes beyond just evolutionary principle, and and even the sense that we have of destiny and purpose. Uh, to me, again, is further indication of of the existence of God. Look. Adolf Hitler said, today war is nothing but a struggle for the riches of nature. By virtue of an inherent law, these riches belong to him who conquers them. That's in accordance with the laws of nature. By means of the struggle, the elites are continually renewed. The law of selection justifies this incessant struggle by allowing the survival of the fittest. We reject it. We're, we find that morally repugnant. Why? Based on what? Darwin said, according to the laws of natural selection, the European race will emerge as the distinct species, Homo sapiens and all the transitional forms of the gorilla, the chimpanzee, the Negro, and the Australian Aborigine will be extinguished in the struggle. Why do we find that so morally repugnant? Why do so many of us struggle with what Richard Dawkins said? This is one of the hardest lessons for humans to learn. We cannot admit that things might be neither good nor evil, neither cruel nor kind, but simply callous, indifferent to all suffering, lacking all purpose. Something inside of us says, no, that's not right. There is purpose. There is such a thing as, as justice and injustice. Uh, The idea that human beings are somehow nothing but a machine, like Rodney Brooks, roboticist, said a human being is nothing but a machine or a big bag of skin full of biomolecules interacting by the laws of physics and chemistry. I understand by my very being, by my existence, by my consciousness, that that's not true. And and most would agree with that. To me, a consistent atheist would, would have to agree with atheist philosopher Stephen Cave that our ability to choose our fate is not free. The free will is, is just a myth and an appearance that it doesn't really exist. So my own experience with God, transforming my life 50 years ago and my walk with him over these 50 years, my living in community with other believers in America and around the world and seeing people go through great pain, suffering, and yet come out better for it, closer to God, His miraculous hand involved in in so many ways that to me are undeniably God. The the evidence of scripture and then the evidence of science, the evidence of, of human nature, these things confirm to me the existence of God, the eternal existence of God, the goodness of God, and I'm as sure as his existence as I have of the fact that I'm sitting here. So my opening comments again, I understand I'm simply sharing my perspective with you as opposed to thinking that this will necessarily convince you. But that's my goal, to be here as a witness. Thank you.
3: Thank you very much, Dr. Brown, for that opening statement. And want to let you know, folks, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from. Christian, atheist, gay, straight, black, white, Republican, Democrat, you name it. We're glad you're here. And with that, we are going to kick it over to Apostate Prophet for his opening statement as well. The floor is all yours.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for this debate. Thank you, Dr. Brown, for agreeing to this. Thank you, James, for arranging it. I, I just want to say quickly, um, I speak German, Turkish, and English. English is my third language, so occasionally I might uh, make mistakes and stumble upon strange words. Uh, it's it's because it's my third language. I just want to say this in advance so that I can lower the expectations and then, uh, <laughs> just kidding. So today I want to argue that uh, God does not exist, that there is no God. Uh, And to be very honest, I have a different approach. When I I look at uh, debates on whether God exists or not, and I look at how these usually revolve around things like uh, cosmological arguments and uh, all the other classical discussions that you see, I think they are a giant waste of time and usually play into the hands of uh, proponents of theism who want to uh, circle around those arguments. I don't want to approach the the matter from that angle at all. What I want to do today is I want to talk about uh, three perspectives, Three points. Uh, One is what is God? The second is uh, the injustice and absurdity of God. And the third one is the the lack of functionality of God. Now, first of all, what is God? Uh, When we were arranging uh, this debate, uh, I believe it was uh, D- Dr. Brown wanted to define what God is, and the, de- the definition that he went for was that uh, God is an eternal, uncreated being who is also omnipotent, omniscient, and omnibelo- omnibenevolent. So, uh, almighty, all-knowing, and ultimately good, or the highest good. The issue is that this is not really a universal definition of God. That's not really true. This is this is Dr. Brown's definition of God, or uh, the definition of god that certain people abiding by certain religions hold. The universal definition of god does not exist and has never existed. When we look at human history, we see that we can track uh, certain signs that imply religion back about uh, 100,000 years. Uh, What we see is that there are some uh, almost clear signs of religion about 30,000 years ago. But when we look at the growth and the evolution of religion, what we see is that people initially only uh, used depictions of animals, for example, or uh, had certain a certain sense of worship of nature, of trees or animals and things like that, that developed into uh, pantheism and nature religions. Over time, uh, polytheism was established. The idea that there are many gods and and many gods have different functions. Then uh, henotheism was established, which is that among those uh, many gods, only one superior god should be worshipped. Dualism came into existence, which is that uh, the, the universe or everything cosmology is between uh, a higher good, light, and a lower evil or darkness. This is a very prominent idea that uh, was that that dominated Zoroastrianism, for example, or uh, Manichaeism, which was a religion that was around when Christianity was just uh, coming into existence or uh, growing in the, in the Roman Empire. Um, monotheism as Dr. Brown sees it, came into existence very recently in human history. In fact, when you look at history, the first monotheistic uh, practices are not attributed to the biblical God, but rather to uh, Egypt, for example. The first signs of monotheism are thought to be coming from Egypt, from Akhenaten, who established a uh, religion that is known as uh, Atenism, where uh, everybody is meant to worship one superior God among many, and this is then called monotheism in history. Biblical uh, religion is only seen uh, to have come into existence about uh, 1000 BC. That's where we have the oldest remnants, the oldest evidence of uh, the worship of the one God as we know him. And uh, Uh, that this God is eternal, uncreated, omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent, was also not an idea that necessarily came into existence at that time, but only developed over the last few thousand years. So what we see is that we have a very long history of humanity, over a hundred hundred thousand years, where we can uh, look at religious development, but this God, which we define as uh, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnibenevolent, is only a few thousand years old. Now, does it really make sense that, that in this long history, uh, only this God is true, that that this God is the God that we're talking about, that this is what God means? Why do we trust this? Why don't we trust all the others, but we trust this one? I want to go ahead and come to uh, what the existence of this God implies. And uh, I want to talk about justice, life Sin, justice, afterlife, hell, and about how unjust this actually is. What we see with this God that we're talking about, with this biblical monotheistic God, uh, we see that this God knows everything, supposedly, is all-powerful, and he is the absolute uh, absolute good. But think about it. This God that we're talking about creates a vast universe, so, so vast, such an expanse that we don't even properly see within the universe we only see a specific observable area within the universe and just in this observable area we see myriads of different objects that are completely meaningless to our eyes we see different uh, stars and planets and rocks and everything and a- among all of that after 10 billion years A tiny planet comes into existence and exists for over 4 billion years. And on this tiny little planet, in all that mess, we humans come into existence. And we claim that all of that only took place because this God, this almighty uncreated God, just wanted to create us and wanted us to enjoy things. And uh, we were then supposed to live short lives on this planet, uh, be held accountable for how we lived our lives and what we believed in. And after we die, we will will be rewarded. Rewarded or punished. And uh, the dark side of this is that this all knowing, almighty, eternally good God creates us and then holds us accountable through our life without properly communicating with us. He communicates through some uh, ambiguous sources and ambiguous people in history. We are supposed to trust uh, those people somehow and believe in that God and then go to heaven. Otherwise, we will go to hell and burn there forever or be punished in some hell. How does that really make sense? And is that really just? Is that really a realistic expectation? It is it is very odd, isn't it? And what's funny is that proponents of God present this false scenario that we are between believing and going to heaven, or uh, disbelieving and going to hell. But that's not really the case. What we in, what we have in reality is that we are supposed to believe one certain religion among so many different religions, because that one certain religion is supposed to save us from the punishment in the afterlife that all the others will take us to if we trust them and not this one religion. Uh, now, can you really expect a Muslim, for ex- if Christianity is true, can you really expect the average Muslim to be confronted with Christianity and to accept Christianity? The average Muslim will not accept Christianity because they were brought up with ideas that are completely different, completely in rejection of Christianity. They will not even think about whether Christianity makes sense or not. They will simply reject it. If Islam is true, the average Christian will most obviously reject uh, Islam. I am here confronted with God and I most definitely reject it, not because I know that it is true and I reject it because I want to reject it, but rather because I don't believe that it makes sense. Can I be blamed for that? And if Hell does not exist. If we will not be held accountable, then why in the world would all of this exist? Why would God exist? Why would He be uh, omnipresent, omniscient, omni uh, benevolent? And why would He do all of this without showing anything? This is where I want to come to uh, the next point, which is uh, about the lack of functionality and the uselessness of God. I'm not a classical uh, regular atheist. I only use the term atheist to describe that I don't believe in God, but I don't really identify with that. I usually uh, describe myself as a post-theist. I think that God served a purpose in history, uh, such as uh, upholding certain uh, morals or the fabric of a society or uh, providing certain explanations to all the things that happen uh, in our nature. But God has now lost this purpose. God has become obsolete and there is no longer any need for God because there is no reason to believe in him and he doesn't really do us any any good we don't need him we have we we are, we, we are very uh well off without him if we look at uh history we see that God was used to explain certain things that happen such as lightning or earthquakes even Christians themselves did that early Christians uh wrote about how things happened to them even uh Saint Augustine of Hippo for example who wrote his his masterpiece uh the city of God, wrote, wrote about how uh, it was not uh, Christianity which brought, uh, you know, uh, uh, unfortunate things to the Roman Empire, but rather it was the lack of Christianity which made them fall apart, for example. Or uh, the Bible, for example, explains uh, earthquakes or and, and lightnings as the doing of God, as a punishment or as a warning. All uh, the religions, different religions, attributed these functions to different gods. But what we see in reality is that over history, nothing that we attributed to God, nothing that we explained with God turned out to be the work of God. If we look at a, uh, at a list of statistics of things that we attributed to God, we see that zero out of all those, zero percent brought us to God. Everything had a different explanation besides God. Different cultures uh, in history, the Mongols, the Native Americans, Greeks, Romans, Manichaeans, uh, polytheists, the Chinese, who were completely unaffected by God, had uh, their own explanations. And we we see that uh, God was just one explanation, and it is not really needed anymore. There is nothing in our world that needs God in order to fill the gap Uh, we have explanations for everything without God. To certain things, we don't have explanations, but we try to find out the true explanations to them instead of trusting in God, which doesn't lead us to any solutions. It just gives us an illusion, which does not satisfy us. It only helps us for the moment. It doesn't really solve our problems of finding out proper answers. As I see it, uh, when we speak about God and when we... uh, When we say that we need God in order to be good, that is uh, false. There are people in the world who have many different ways to find uh, purpose in life, to find meaning in life, and to turn their lives around. God is only one of those options. I'm not saying God is not helpful at all. I'm saying God is only one of those options, and we don't really need just God. What I see is that uh, when people claim that God exists, they are making a certain claim asserting that they know that God exists because that's what their religion tells them to believe in. It is much easier for me, much better, much more relieving to me to accept the idea that I simply do not know certain things because then I'm being honest to myself, I'm being more truthful instead of saying, yes, I know, God did this and God did that. Therefore, I believe that God is only uh, part of a long line of things that humans made up because they didn't know better and it is time to move on from that. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you very much apostate Prophet, for that opening statement and what we're going to do now folks is jump into the rebuttal sections now these are going to be a bit shorter so it's going to be eight minute rebuttals one from each side and then we'll jump into the open dialogue for about 30 minutes and then q a for about 30 minutes so if you happen to have a question feel free to fire it into the live chat and want to remind you our guests are linked in the description and we'd highly encourage you you can check out those links right now And that includes, if you're listening, via the Modern Day Debate podcast, as we link our guests there as well. With that, Dr. Brown, thanks so much. The floor is all yours.
1: All right. Hey, thank you so much, AP. First, to clarify, the definition of God, uh, that, that was not the definition I came up with. I simply asked because I was asked by you to debate the existence of God. I said, what do you mean by that? James sent me what he thought was a working definition. I thought that came from you. I just wow. said, let's add eternal, uncreated. But either way, I'm, I'm happy with that definition. I just want to say that I was asked to debate the issue. I said, okay, what are we debating? Just wanted to be clear on that. Um, here's where I reject each of your points, and I appreciate the spirit in which you made them, but here's where I reject uh, each each of the points. Of course, my own experience in God stands for what it is and has no logical explanation. And when it's multiplied by millions and millions of other people with other Uh, situations that are all not logically explained in any other way. Uh, I have no reason to question any of what I believe. But to respond to each point, um, when you go back 100,000 years, 30,000 years, we have no literary evidence. You're you're, you're talking about even if those dates are accurate, trying to interpret a painting on a wall. Once we get to literary evidence, there's pretty much universal belief in, in a god or gods or something like that. And as to biblical literature, it does predate Akhenaten, just, just for the record. So, so you can have strong evidences of monotheism going back 4,000 years. But either case, the biblical narrative is, you read it in Romans one, that the human race cast off the knowledge of the one true God and became idolatrous. So it'd be no surprise when, when we read ancient Egyptian literature, ancient, ancient Sumerian literature, ancient Akkadian literature, whatever it is, it's no surprise that it's full of polytheism. The mystery, is, is how the monotheism of scripture emerges. You read Genesis 1, the creation account, and you compare it to the other ancient creation accounts or Enuma Elish, or different ones like that. And you, you're comparing light to darkness. You think, where'd this come from? Even Akhenaten was considered himself to be a god. So that was not a true monotheistic movement in, in that regard. So scripture stands out in such amazing ways. When you read the words of a prophet like Isaiah and you compare it to other ancient literature and its polytheism, It stands out, it makes you wonder, what was the inspiration behind this? Where did they get these ideas? And why we should trust the God of the Bible is because the God of the Bible is different. Because the God of the Bible does lay out human history in advance. Because the God of the Bible does say, if we seek him earnestly, we'll find him. That's one reason why so many Muslims and others are coming to faith, because God is revealing himself in ways that it's jarring people's lives. I mean, I know so many firsthand accounts from our friends that are in the Middle East and other parts of the world, jarring, shocking accounts, when it's the very last thing that the Muslim person was thinking about, but they were earnestly seeking God as they understood him, and he reveals himself. He reveals himself through his son, Jesus. As, As to why such a vast universe, first, it's a testimony to the majesty of God. Second, there are writings I've read by astronomers and other scientists who say that, the whole fine tuning of the universe was in order to have one planet where life could exist, that it takes all of this. That's why there are skeptics that talk about multiverses because there must be many other universes out there because 14 billion years, wasn't enough time by chance to come up with an earth or the human race. So rather than posit unknown multiverses, I said, no, what the Bible says is true that an intelligent creator designed all of this and he designed it for us. And it's for us to wonder and, and be amazed. And then, probably forever and ever get to explore why did he create us it's all by his own choice but it's to have a people who would freely choose him love him and be with him forever so he put us in an environment where we could make choices there'd be consequences of those choices which are painful negative but what do we prize most our existence and our freedom so with self-determination and freedom there will be negative consequences and then in the midst of it we can grow We, uh, John Hicks refers to this as soul making. We can grow as human beings. We can grow in our relationship with God. We can become better people by persevering through hardship, trial, suffering, growing through it, and then be with him and enjoy him forever. You say, yeah, but what about those who don't believe they all just burn in hell? Listen, I'm Jewish. I've interacted with the Jewish community for decades. I have friends who are religious Jews, rabbis. So, yeah, very, very serious question. Is that the way God made it? He created the whole world. Billions of people, Uh, he doesn't reveal himself in a face-to-face way to to most all of them. Many never hear the message, and then he just casts them off to hell to fry them forever. I don't believe that. I believe that God's justice will be perfect, and that on that day when he sorts everything out, it'll make sense. It'll make sense for James, for you, for me, and that none of us on that day will be able to accuse God of, of injustice. And my experience with him all these years and seeing his incredible long-suffering patience, and then the fullest revelation we get is at the cross where Jesus dies for our sins. That's, that's God entering into our world and saying, I'm going to suffer on your behalf. There are different views, even among Christians, on the subject of hell. Is it just a cessation of existence, what someone call annihilation, so that you forfeit eternal life, and that's it? There are early Christians that held to some type of universal reconciliation. I don't. But there were some who did that said, ultimately, that everyone makes it eternally. I would rather be confident in the goodness and justice of God and in the truth of Scripture and let him sort out these other things, how everything works out, than reject the whole idea of a God based on this. Um, as to God being used to explain certain things, yeah, there, of course, is superstition. There's superstition to this day. When I was in China a few years ago, I was amazed at all the superstitions of the, of the atheist uh, tour guide. Yeah, human beings are superstitious, but miraculous healings that have no possible explanation that doctors say has to be a miracle when it's in direct answer to prayer. A transformation of lives when people have no interest in him I'd read of one atheist family, two brothers and a sister living in different parts of England, all staunch atheists, all independently getting the same revelation of God and being terrified to tell the other because they were staunch, staunch atheists, only to find that all three experienced that together. God does move in ways where the only logical explanation is the deity, e- even human DNA, just an example. The only logical explanation in my mind is intelligent design uh, behind it. Uh, And the idea that we don't need God to be good, yes, as I said in my opening statement, there can be caring atheists and moral atheists and people of different religions, non-religions. We know that there's barbaric cruelty that's taking place in the name of religion and barbaric cruelty that's taking place with atheism. But my question is, can you have moral absolutes without God? I say no. Can you have objective morality without God? No. Can you have... The concept of injustice or inalienable human rights without God? No, because ultimately we are the random products of a freak evolutionary unguided process, which is driven by the survival of the fittest. So even the concept of evil, even the, the things AP that drive you, that cause you to question God, to me are the very evidence of the nature of God in you that says there must be justice, there must be fairness, there must be goodness, even that these concepts exist. So That's why, with all due respect to your sincerity, uh, I, I don't see any substance to these arguments whatsoever. And, of course, look forward now to your rebuttal to my comments.
3: Thank you very much, Dr. Brown, and we will indeed kick it over to AP for his rebuttal and want to let you know, folks, if you have not heard, we are thrilled about this upcoming debate this month as Dr. Kenny Rhodes, Christian apologist and scholar, will be taking on juggernaut of debate, Matt Dillahunty. That is going to be an epic one. So hey, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button and that notification bell so you don't miss out on that epic debate. And with that, AP, thanks so much. The floor is all yours.
2: Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Baran, for that. Um, well, I, I have an objection. I mean, with all due uh, respect, I really uh, respect your work and your degree and all that. But what uh, what I have heard from your uh, opening statement, I know you said that this is not meant to serve to uh, to convince people. But when we are sitting here and talking about whether God exists or not, all that I've heard from your side is that uh, is that there are certain things that are happening in the world and i don't know how else this could possibly work without god i don't see a proper line that leads us to god i don't see a proper uh, collection of evidences that brings us to god all i see is well this and this is going on so must be god that's all i see and 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 this is not something uh especially weird. This is just what I see in general in uh, arguments for God's existence. I want to address your your points uh, one by one. I, I made uh, a lot of notes. That's why I was looking down all the time. I'm making these notes here. Uh, but you, you described that uh, you believe in God due to experience, due to dramatic changes that happened in your life. You had a very uh, bad life, a very terrible life. Your life turned around. Suddenly you uh, rose from that uh, from that deep bad place and your life became uh, much better. And and that can only happen with God. I fail to see why, that would be a sign that God exists. I mean, I know certain people who had their life completely turned around and they didn't need God for that. Or they needed a different religion for that. They did that by a completely different religion, which is in in complete contradiction to the fundamental tenets of your religion. And they will say the same things. They will say that this religion saved them and they are now living a great life because of this religion, which according to you is completely false. There are many people who find find safety and greatness and who gain their lives by joining buddhism for example which is a fundamentally non-theistic religion which does not rely on god but which rather uh, focuses on how to make yourself better not how to serve god there are people who join cults very crazy cults and turn their lives around and live now a fantastic life and are so happy they don't want you to pull to, to pull them out of that so uh, experience is simply to me and i think in general a very weak sign a very weak reason to believe in God. You can exp- you can present experiences or coincidences for uh, to make a point for pretty much anything in life, not just for God, for the most absurd things in life, <laughs> to be very honest. Uh, healings, I don't see that there are any healings going on. When I uh, listen to examples of healings, I usually just hear examples where uh, somebody reported having a certain experience. I don't see that uh, there are serious scientific journals or serious researchers peer-reviewed which admit by the scientific community the community of doctors that something happened something extraordinary happened and there is no explanation to this at all uh, within the scientific uh world and that and that this must be from something else there is almost always a possible explanation in scientific terms that are completely reasonable i don't see any evidence of anything really really strange happening i think evidence for something strange happening that only leaves god as, as an explanation would be that somebody loses uh, loses their leg like a man who loses his leg in a war then he prays and suddenly a leg grows back or suddenly a leg comes down descended from the sky and and is attached to him but that usually doesn't happen the examples that we have are so ambiguous so vague that somebody who is uh who was blinded Can somehow see again, which is by no means something that science doesn't have an explanation for. On the contrary, it is very well known that blindness can be can be temporary, that blindness can have different reasons, can go away, that people might see again under different circumstances. Um, So, experience, I think, is simply a very uh, weak hill to die on. To be very honest, Uh, scripture. When we look at scripture. You you talked about, or Dr. Brown talked about how uh, the scattering of the Jews and their preservation was very much foretold, uh, and that this couldn't have been foretold, but this is not something very special. The Bible also makes a lot of claims about things that will happen in the world which remotely did not happen. The New Testament makes a lot of uh, predictions uh, of revelations in the future which did not come true. Uh, Islam makes many prophecies. Muslims generally say, how could this little uh, Arabian guy have predicted that, he, that, that, that Muslims would go out and conquer the entire world and they would enter Jerusalem? Nobody would have uh, possibly made that prediction and it would have come true. Well, they make that same claim. Many other cultures, many other religions in history have made extraordinary claims. They have not come true. So uh, there is not really a point in Uh, taking this one example where things seem to have come true in a certain way, and to say, well, it is true because certain predictions and prophecies have come true. Uh, Let's not forget about the fact that Jews were mostly preserved because they were seen as chosen people of God in a mostly Christian world. Uh, Appealing to few few creationists uh, who agree that uh, the universe must have a creator will not Uh, establish the truth that the universe has been created, if we want to look at uh, science, if we want to look at scientists and what scientists tell us, we see that uh, science overwhelmingly gives us explanations of the world, of how the world came into existence, of how it expanded, and of how uh, animals developed scientists overwhelmingly give explanations that are completely contrary to God. We want to uh, challenge evolution. <laughs> when it comes to evolution, there are over 500,000 uh, re- peer, peer-reviewed research papers in existence right now, which directly or indirectly reference uh, evolution as a fact. So if you want to appeal to authority, which I don't do, then you you lose by default. There is simply no way that you, that you can possibly win with that. Um, if we want to look at evidence, I simply don't see any evidence that would lead us to God. I mean, we have certain things that are happening. You say that uh, the universe uh, seems to function in a certain way and that uh, things seem to have been nicely designed in such a way that it makes it possible for us to live. That's not entirely true. Uh, That is a claim that is often made that the universe is fine-tuned and and that if things were slightly off, everything would, uh, you know, erupt in chaos. That's not really true. I mean, our Earth is orbiting the sun in a completely infrequent, strange way, not in a perfect orbit. Uh, There is a large room of distance that uh, we could float within, which would keep our earth completely well and alive it doesn't depend on a certain specific orbit the world is full of chaos things are exploding burning uh, around us all the time uh, there is no reason for us to assume that uh, things seem to work very well which is why we come to god i want to leave the morality part uh, to our oncoming discussion because i don't have enough time left i only have like uh, 15 seconds left or so i believe um But I assure you that morality definitely does not depend on God. And I assure you that uh, my appeal to morality and my convictions of morality don't need God. We don't need God for morality at all. And we also don't need objective morals, by the way. Thank you.
3: Thank you very much, Apostate Prophet. And with that, we are going to jump into open conversation, folks. So this will be about 30 minutes. Friendly reminder, our guests are linked in the description. Check those links out. And also want to let you know, folks— Always want to encourage you to attack the arguments, not the person, as we really do appreciate our guests being here with us. And so with that, gentlemen, thanks so much. And the floor is all yours.
1: So maybe I could ask you uh, an opening question. I do want to clarify, I didn't think I was leading a bad life and I wasn't looking to change. I, I was quite happy with my partying lifestyle and God intervened when I wasn't looking for him. But what I'm trying to understand is what would actually constitute a proof for you, because I, I there are documented healings, peer-reviewed. I'll, I'll give you references if you like, uh, whole books where you can get reference after reference after reference. It's quite staggering and amazing, actually. But couldn't you just explain that away? You know, the amputee and you pray and a you know, leg comes down from the sky, you'd still come up with some explanation as to why it doesn't actually constitute proof. So, you know, listening to you that, and again, I said experience, I'm explaining for me, right? I, I was very clear on that, uh, fully understanding how that would sound to to someone who doesn't believe it. And I'm quite sure if you had the same experience, you'd be in my shoes as well. But it, my, my feeling is that you just explain away whatever it is and say, well, that doesn't constitute proof. I don't think anything could constitute proof. You could say, well, our senses are wrong, our perceptions are wrong. So respond to that. I completely disagree with that. I mean,
2: when, when people say that uh, I could explain anything away, I just don't accept evidence. That is not really true. It just means the evidence is not really uh, strong. The evidence is non-existent, to be very honest. I mean, I give the example... Uh, of a leg suddenly forming or falling down from the sky. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not just giving this example as a joke. When I think about uh, people who propose that God exists, uh, we see that people are making a very extraordinary claim. And when we look at the history of religions, when we look at scriptures, we see that miracles are usually described as very extraordinary things. I don't know, mountains moving, things appearing in the sky, moving around, flying around and all those things. Why? do we have to rely on evidences that are so ambiguous, so vague? Why can't these extraordinary claims be uh, proven with extraordinary, amazing evidences? If I saw that a giant face appears in the sky, that it grabs things from the earth and says, I am God, believe in me, I've, I have enough of you, then I will be like, okay, that we seem to have no proper explanation for this. I guess there is a God. <laughs> or if, What, what if, if someone else said, yeah. it, isn't that just a mass hallucination. No, I wouldn't. Uh, what a mass hallucination would be if something appears in the sky and dances around and it has no impact, that could be a mass hallucination. But if something comes down and actually crushes the earth and you know destroys things with its hand, and we all see that, then we can't say that's a mass
1: hallucination because science the hologram, maybe. Well, maybe another other explanation be. we just don't have it. In, in, in other words, here, I, I guarantee you. That there are documented miracles that are extraordinary, mind-boggling, that, that the doctors themselves write them up and say, we can only call this a miracle. But then what if it doesn't reach your particular threshold? I mean, who gives you the right to set the threshold? And and there are, read Craig Keener's two volume book, Miracles, Craig Keener's two volumes, Miracles, or Randy Clark. Eyewitness to miracles, and I referenced his doctoral thesis. And you know there are cases, for example, where out of the 795 they prayed for in 2012 with metal implants, that some actually had the metal implant disappear, and it's it's documented. Um, and this is all in a doctoral thesis. Would, i would have to see that when i, when I
2: I'm, I'm really open-minded when it comes to this i don't ever claim that i know the truth about this i would completely look into every evidence and go for it if there's really seems to be something to it the issue is that uh what people generally call evidence is not proper evidence when i see when i look at healings for example which uh people call extraordinary i don't ever i have never seen and i am willing to look into it again i have never seen that there was a major consensus or that a a magazine like the Scientific American or I don't know any other organization, a collective of scientists came together and said, okay, well, this one case, There really is no explanation to it. What I see is that uh, certain individuals, individual doctors or individual scientists occasionally make claims, and they are a tiny minority. But I don't see that there is a proper consensus among uh, serious people, more people who show that there is actually something really strange going on. Whenever we have an extraordinary uh, healing, so-called healing, it can usually be explained by... uh, by 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 regular natural scientific means i have to yet see i'm i'm saying i have to yet see the evidence mm-hmm. we have to see an example of something that that really cannot be explained by any proper known scientific means
1: yeah well I, i'm i'm thrilled to hear your openness be, because they do exist and listen i've been in in the christian world and charismatic christian world for decades so i've seen all kinds of flaky things i, I fully understand reasons for skepticism and you know, the pain leaves today and it comes back tomorrow, or their their psychosomatic explanations. And also I, I understand the reason for skepticism, but I'm thrilled that you speak of being open-minded. You know, the, the study I mentioned that was published in the Southern Medical Journal in 2010, study of the therapeutic effects of proximal intercessory prayer on auditory and visual impairments in rural Mozambique by one, two, three, four, five different, four different doctors. They, they discussed with, with other scholars and scientists what would constitute a, a, a right test that could be done because of all these reported healings with the ministry in, in Mozambique. So they went there and for vision, it was simply using eye charts and then they had hearing equipment to test whether people could hear. And they prayed, I don't know how many people in the study, blind, partially blind, deaf, partially deaf, but they, they documented the results so uh, if, if and, and then an experiential question, just a couple for you, and then you can turn and, and question me if if um, if you say after this debate had, had a dream and in the dream, you know, you, you, you saw someone you'd never seen before and they met you at a certain place and said, sir, you should read the Bible. And then the next day that dream exactly happens. And then, you know, you have five straight days with a dream. And then the thing actually happens. And then when you read the Bible, next thing, the words start burning in your heart and you become very conscious of a a divine being that you didn't believe in before. Is there any kind of experience that you would have that would make you question or wonder, you know, other than the face appearing in the sky?
2: In that certain example, if I had a dream the same dream for, let's say, five days, I have a, a dream where I see a very specific person who comes to me at a specific place, sits down and says, I want you to go and read the Bible and believe in it. If I had that dream for five nights, for example, and if after those five nights I went outside and that really happened just as I dreamt it, I would think, I I guess I'm wrong. I guess I'm wrong. I would say, I guess I'm wrong. And I guess there is something more to this than i don't know and maybe god is maybe god does exist the issue is that this does not happen and even if that that, that did happen it would only be a personal experience to me which i cannot in any way ever prove the problem with such experiences is that uh, these uh, these evidences these experiences are usually Mostly or almost exclusively just that experiences that we can never prove that we can never uh, show to somebody else that we can only self report. And how can you trust anybody to self report something that is true. Why do we rely on uh, people's uh, self claimed experiences why do you trust me why would i trust you why do we have to trust each other if our mission is universally to believe in god such a thing if it did happen to me i would probably believe that i'm wrong and i would probably try believing in god again while trying to bury all my doubts or trying to find answers to them unfortunately i did ask for that a lot back when i was trying to be religious again it never happened i doubt that it will happen in the future well, but I, I have, again, I, have a, I have a question here, which yeah, is yeah. Uh, which is it, it is rather strange to me. I think it's a very obvious objection. <clears throat> but um, when we talk about miracles and signs that God exists, we're talking about certain things like uh, healing, uh, which, as I said, can be very vague, and people can make a lot of speculations about it. Or we talk about specific personal experiences, which no one can explain. Why does it have to be? like this why is the evidence always something that is uh, vague something that relies on a specific individual something that cannot be uh, proven true and even if it were true that there is something strange going on and some strange miraculous healings happen how can we possibly conclude that therefore god must exist or therefore this must be the work of god there could be so many different explanations to that
1: yeah so uh the answer is simply this that the ones that came with a message to me came with a message about the God of the Bible. And then I had these radical experiences I wasn't looking for that dramatically changed my life. Then when I prayed to that God and sought him earnestly, I began to see answers to prayer that were undeniable. You know, it it would be like tremendously burdened one day to, to pray for a certain person in another country and praying and then, and then not knowing why, only to find out a week later that at that moment they were going through a certain thing and, and, and there was sudden intervention. And, and look, uh, we live in this world. We don't see miracles all the time. We, like I said, most of the people I pray for are not gonna be healed. Uh, I've, I've, I've prayed for a number of people with cancer and virtually all of them died. So I'm, I'm not just claiming that I, I float through, through life here. You know, That's why I mentioned suffering right in the opening comments. But to, to me, it was a matter of putting two and two together. That the the God of the Bible has made Himself known, and as I begin to relate to Him, seek Him, I find wow, He really is the way He's described here, and He really does honor what's written here, and then the other things are secondary to me. You know, the evidence of science and, and other things like that. So you know, just like in in your own life, sir, the the lack of experience was a major factor, and and you you said if you did experience certain things, you would you would question, and you would you would probably believe again ultimately it's going to come down to a personal thing right ultimately we have to make our own life decisions and i have a question here sorry go ahead no just this last thing so when when someone preaches publicly in the name of jesus and maybe there's one miracle that takes place you know someone healed and everyone knows this person's a cripple from birth and they're healed so that gets them wow could this be true and then they cry out to that god and he makes himself real personally ultimately it has to be that in your own heart you know him and believe it can't simply be the evidence of something else external to you so i have three objections uh to all of
2: this uh i won't ask them all at once it would be kind of i would be kind of bombarding you here with that but uh uh, just a second yeah so um one of the objections is uh you talk about how um you know you ask for things to happen or you pray things happen and and all that and uh this could be a sign from from god uh i'm i'm really oversimplifying it I'm, i i i understand but basically uh the issue is again how do we exactly come to God. How do we exactly come to the one God? I simply don't see it. I don't see the way the path leading to that. I'm, I'm sure you're aware that uh, I mentioned it earlier, but at the time that uh, Christianity was becoming relevant in the Roman Empire, there was a religion going around that started very successfully and was growing very rapidly, which was called uh, Manichaeism uh, by its founder, Mani, who was basically preaching that certain people before him were uh, prophets, and he himself was also a prophet. But what he preached was not a uh, the concept of the almighty, all-powerful, benevolent God who is above and who just wants our prayers. What he preached was more that the world is between uh, a good... Presence and an evil presence, or light and darkness. And we just have to not repent and be saved, but we just have to break through our illusions and see the truth and be with the light so that we can ascend to him. But this is a very, uh, a belief that seems very, uh, that doesn 't really seem unacceptable to 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 Christianity or to Abrahamic monotheistic beliefs because it also challenges the idea that God is almighty and all knowing and all powerful why can 't we say uh, when we look for truth when we look for healing when we look for uh, a blessing it is that guy's light above that guy's good god above why do we say it is the christian god why why do we say it is yahweh why don't we say it is uh, the islamic understanding of God? Why don't we say it is the Buddhist connection to the universe? Why don't we say it is the Taoist connection to the 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 Tao, which is the essence of everything? Why exactly do we say it is God? Because God. you said that we pray and we get responses, but everybody claims the same thing. Buddhists yes. claim the same thing, Hindus claim the same thing, Muslims claim the same thing. Let's yeah,
1: yeah, so right, so this is there's several levels. So the one answering the prayer has certain power. The one answering the prayer has certain knowledge. The one that chased me down when I wasn't looking for him was responding to the prayers of, of others. The same one who has miraculously healed these others is demonstrating certain power. The one who is, I've watched work in my life, in the lives of others for 50 years, has supernatural wisdom and ability to to turn things upside down. I'm gonna give you example after example after example that they just become mind boggling stories one after another. So you say, okay, but how do I know what being that is? Maybe he's one of many, he or she or it, one of many supernatural beings, or the how do I not have the right being? Okay, so first we agree that there is this supernatural being uh, that's acting in ways that are above and beyond anything we could humanly concoct. We start there. Uh, then, when I go to scripture, I see that this God, contrary to Quran, contrary to these other religions, ha- has laid out major aspects of world history that cannot be easily explained away. I mean, you dismiss the, the history of the Jewish people laid out in advance, and the centrality of Jerusalem laid out in advance. I, I say that's highly, highly significant. It's highly, highly significant, then, out, out of the ashes of the Holocaust, the modern state of, of Israel is birthed, just like the dry bones vision in, in Ezekiel. I, I don't take these things lightly, but... Uh, I, I see messianic prophecy, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus that had to take place before the second temple was destroyed and then the message going out around the world. So I see that this book describes things accurately. This book speaks of this God and then these other things secondarily, science would indicate an intelligent designer and, and other things like that. So that's how I come to these conclusions. So the, the first thing is the reality and the existence of this being And then the second thing is identifying which being this is, and the supernatural testimonies I've had of this being revealing himself to Muslims, to Hindus, to atheists, to Taoists, to Confucianists, Buddhists, etc., all point in the same direction and bring confirmation to it. Well, the issue is,
2: um, you know, I'm a former Muslim. I used to be a Muslim. I was among Muslims all the time. I also did... uh, Uh, work for Islam and try to spread it and try to, you know, analyze it and teach it to others. Uh, The issue is that uh, Muslims basically make the same argument. I mean, everything that you just told me Muslims basically say the same thing. Uh, everything that you said about the Bible, Muslims say the same thing. I just had a uh, had a discussion with a Muslim apologist very recently, and his argument is that contrary to the Bible, and contrary to other religious books, the Quran is the only book that is un- unfalsifiable, that, uh, that can never be falsified, that makes predictions about the future which uh, come true, that has the only realistic, only true description of uh, the, the past, the present, and the future. And that uh, there is no single flaw in the Quran. And I know you will say, well, they are wrong, because I can show that I am right about the Bible. But the thing is, they will say the same thing. They will say, well, the Bible is clearly wrong. Uh, I am clearly right, because I can prove that the Quran is the only book
1: that has these qualities. Uh, so both. Right, of so then that would the come down to a... Apo- right, I'm, I'm very happy to, to refer people to apologetic debates between Christians and Muslims, and to see whose truth claims are accurate. That... That does not deny the existence of God. It could be who has a right view of God. It could be you could argue that each has a partial view of God. Uh, None of those would argue against the existence of God. They they would point to a a strong belief in the existence of God. And then we get into the internal apologetic arguments, which which I'm very happy to do. And I I think we come (coughs) out just just fine in in that regard on every level. What's interesting, though, is, is that out of all the Muslims I've spoken to, not one of them has experienced forgiveness of sins and relationship with God the same way your average Christian does. I'm not talking about your super devoted, super saint Christian, that you know as a Muslim that there's no assurance, that there's no knowing Allah as father out of the, out of the many names of God, uh, none of them as father, that you just relate to him as a servant, etc., So I would say, even in terms of a transformation of life, we're not just talking about starting to live a moral life. I'm sure there are many people who are living immoral lives that are now living living very moral lives as Muslims. But in terms of that experience of God, they don't have it. I've dealt with the Jewish community all these decades, and it's the same thing. So there still comes down to a difference in experience. But, But either way, I think you would agree that different religions are arguing about exactly which interpretation of God is right does not deny the existence of God. It could just point to human frailty and knowing Him properly.
2: I think it does. Uh, what, one issue is that um, when you say that Christians have a certain experience that uh, mo- that Muslims don't have or that Jews don't have, you are actually presupposing that this is how it is supposed to function or this is how God is supposed to work. Muslims don't believe that that is how God is supposed to uh, interact with humans or that that is how God works. They don't believe that this is His nature. What they what Muslims believe is not that you, that you rely on a a certain personal experience and the relationship with God, but rather that you must simply submit to God and follow His commandments in order to then go to the good place and not to be burned so it, it is the Christian expectation that God would reveal himself to you and have this uh, interaction with you. It is then natural that Christians would make the claim that this happened to them, and Muslims would not make that same claim, although many Muslims do report that they had this overwhelming experience, and uh, personally, I myself did believe that i that i uh, was affected directly by by God by Allah when I was a Muslim
1: and I thought I was I was being guided by Him and I really believed that. Yeah, my point was simply to say that we don't want to compare them as if it's apples to apples. Okay, that, yeah. that was the that was the key point. That but I was the issue making. is not that I the mean, claim of an experience means the experience is true. But so I, the, have,
2: I have an objection here, though. So we're talking about. Um, I could go a lot into whether these scriptures are true or not, and I have a lot of objections to the things that the Bible says, but you see my whole objection and also in my opening statement is that we are uh, that you that it is your expectation or the expectation of these religions that i am or that humans are supposed to trust these scriptures and therefore believe in god and if they fail to do that they will be punished But that's a very cruel and a very unrealistic expectation. No matter how accurate these scriptures or inaccurate they are, you can't simply expect people to believe in this specific scripture and then to follow it. Most people will not believe.
1: Right, which is why I I trust in God's perfect justice. In, In other words, we know clearly that those that sin against the light will be punished accordingly. Those that reject truth revealed in front of their eyes will be punished uh, accordingly. That Jesus says, to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, Scripture makes clear that, that God is compassionate, long-suffering. The whole message of the cross is, is how deeply God reaches out to us to save us. So if you say, well, what about you know this very devout Muslim that grows up only exposed to Quran and tries to live a God-fearing life, or a religious Jew that only knows about church persecution— and, and that's only Jesus they know, or, you know, a very kindly tribal person, you know, praying to his ancestors and somewhere in, in a uh, jungle in Africa, God will deal with each of them fairly. I'm, I'm what, not, what you I'm not he here means? to make a pronouncement. I'm simply here to say, this is, this is who he is. This is what he's done through his son. Now it's up to you to respond. And he, he knows each of us. When I met my wife, Nancy, we were both 19 and she was, She'd become an atheist at the age of eight, thought it'd be wonderful if there was such a thing as God. It's a shame there isn't. And then became some, well, I guess you would say hostile mocker, you know, that religious people were weak and and, and unrealistic. So she had no interest in God and, and no desire to change when God began to work in her life and in such a way that it was sufficient for her to know. But she said up until that time, she never once really heard the gospel ever. 19 years old, grew up in America, never heard it. So she is we let God deal with accountability and and all of that. I'm not painting a picture of of, you know everybody on this chat, if they don't quote get saved tonight, they're they're gonna be frying in hell tomorrow. You know, let God sort all all that out. Can I can Um, I ask you a series of questions? Is it okay with you if I just uh, go ahead and ask you? Yeah,
2: I did have a couple of questions for you, but you you keep going, please. (laughs) Sorry. So uh, that's fine. What do you believe happens to people I mean do you believe that people who ultimately reject God and don't believe in God do you think that they will be eternally punished
1: I, I believe they will be cut off from, from life in other words that they, they will forfeit eternal life they will forfeit life in the world to come or do you think they that, will be punished they will be there will be a punishment yeah that's the punishment that they they will be forever destroyed you it it you could argue that that it is a eternal conscious punishment, but the scripture speaks of people being destroyed. Well, it also speaks of life and resurrection from damnation. Punished. Very,
2: very uh, very clearly in fact. I be- I believe I remember one section which it says that uh, humans will be
3: uh just to be sure that Dr. He in interrupt, but just to be sure that Dr. Brown got finished. I wasn't sure if you were done with that sentence or still going Dr.
1: No no that, that's that's okay. it's fine. Thanks. Gotcha. Yeah so so actually there are only three passages in the New Testament that would potentially speak of eternal conscious torment. Matthew 25:46, which says eternal punishment, and then two passages in the Book of Revelation, primarily speaking of, of, of Satan and, and others tormented day and night forever and ever. And that that's in the apocalyptic Book of Revelation. That's that's in a book that is is filled with with visionary imagery. Uh, the Bible speaks of you know John 3:16. Whoever doesn't believe uh, will perish. Jesus will punish those when he returns with eternal destruction, Those the, the wicked will be punished. I'm 100% sure that God will enact perfect justice. If that perfect justice entails eternal conscious torment, which seems unimaginable to many, it will make perfect sense on that day. But you could make a strong argument for the fact that you forfeit life, that if you reject God, if you choose not to follow him, if you sin against the light that was revealed, then, then you forfeit life beyond the grave you forfeit eternal life Um,
2: i'm pretty sure that the scripture talks about a lake of fire isn't that true
1: yeah it's it's in the it also talks about beasts coming out of pits with seven heads it's 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 a it's a and and what what does fire do fire burns things up okay these are these are images of, of destruction but what you need to do is look at the overall testimony of the mercy of god the grace of god the goodness of god offered to us freely through the cross. And then here's the other thing, you know, human beings commit atrocities all the time. Human beings are guilty of, of terrible evil. If, if there's only justice in this world, if there's no payback in, in the world beyond, if there's no setting things right, then, then things make very little sense. I understand if, if, that much, but yeah, you yeah, let, it let me it. Th- yeah, let me just finish. Uh, I, I believe in a God who will make everything right and, and who will set the record straight and who will ultimately punish the wicked as they should be punished. And that the ultimate punishment is forfeiting eternal life. And if you study scripture, you'll find about 99% of the references are to people being cut off, destroyed, as opposed to uh, an eternal conscious torment, which you find explicitly only in two verses in the book of Revelation in in the midst of all types of apocalyptic imagery.
2: Well, the issue is um, that you're making assertions about what God will do, and you're making assumptions and predictions about what God will do, and uh, what. What aren't you? Aren't you asking me? No, who <laughs> are asking me what or, I believe? No, I, I am. Of course, I am. But you're making assertions about who you think God is, and what you think God is, who you think, uh, how you think God will work. But these
1: are merely assumptions. I mean, you you don't really know. God. I, do, I do know. It's I know it's written in the Word. I'm, I'm I'm sure the Scriptures are true. Fact, but the fact that you don't believe or question doesn't doesn't change my view. What, what, do, you, what do you think a, at all? Do
2: you think, do you think I will be punished if I uh, today or in my entire life I am confronted with this belief and I don't believe and I die as somebody who who explicitly rejects this belief as untrue or as nonsensical? Do you believe it is? Uh, I will. I will. I would be punished for that. Is that your belief?
1: Yes. Yeah, so let me let me answer it on three levels. Number one, you'll you'll get what you asked for. You don't believe in this God. You don't believe there's anything uh, to, to go to. So you will not enjoy him and be with him forever. That's the first thing. The second thing is, as to your non-belief, that's a matter of culpability. If with everything in you, with all sincerity, you said, God, if you're really there, I want to know you. With, with humility and brokenness, and somehow he didn't reveal himself to you. He, he did not keep his promise. Well, he's not going to punish you. For unbelief, if there's culpability in it, if there's guilt in it, presumption, pride, then, then you should be judged accordingly. Thirdly, it's your whole life. It's not just the faith issue. Uh, are, are there things you've done that deserve punishment? Are there things that you've done that have been harmful to, to others? Are there, th- are there things that you've done that have abused the, the body that God gave you? So we're all going to be judged before him. And when we stand before him, we're going to find out we're not as righteous and perfect as we think. If I, I wonder if we just took your thought life for the last week and put it up on the screen uh, if, if you'd say, okay, I'm proud of that, or if there'd be things that are they're embarrassing. The same, same for others. So God knows every secret thought, and he's the only one that's going to come out perfect. But this is what I, I do not believe. I do not believe that if someone sincerely sought the truth about God with a humble and honest heart and did not come to believe as I believe, that as a consequence of that, God will eternally torture that person. I don't believe that. Then there is no okay, need for about us to believe
3: 60 him. seconds. I'll give you a chance, to apostate. If you want to respond, I'll give you 60 seconds, and then we've got to wrap up.
1: Oh, really? That that was short. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> can well, can, uh, can as we as extend I... it just to come back with one, with one or two questions for, for AP? Sure. I mean, you can respond to me, but can we extend it? I'll go yeah. a little longer for the, the Q&A if, if he's willing, because I, I did have just a couple of quick questions I wanted to ask you. And sharing. I'll settle for real short responses without rebuttal. Okay, sure. is that all right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, is there anything in human DNA, in in any aspects of creation, that make you wonder about intelligent design?
2: Uh, I have thought about it before. I thought about. Um, I mean, I occasionally think things seem to. Uh, originate from a specific place everything is uh, gigantic very complex uh maybe it does make sense that there is a designer behind this but i simply do, do not see that there is a better explanation to everything and everything seems to be quite random to be very honest uh if all humans were identical if they weren't all a giant mess with a billion flaws then i would think okay there must be a designer behind this but even when i look at humans i see that uh we don't. We don't look like we were properly designed. We are pretty much
1: random. Okay. So all right. Like I said, I wasn't going to respond. I just wanted to. Of course, I have responses. But when we didn't get to the morality discussion. So yeah. is there such a thing as apt moral objectivity? Is there such a thing as injustice? Can we even define the concept of morality without God?
2: Uh, I do think that morality is merely an. Uh, I, I don't think that objective morality exists. I don't think it can exist. It's not possible for it to exist. I also don't think that subjectively uh, we can refer to morality as a truth. I think that morality is merely um, rules that people establish for completely functional purposes and an expression of people's emotions. And when people express their feelings about about something that is wrong, then they simply ex- express emotions which uh, are based on certain rules and certain things that humans learned from former generations that were brought th- to them over generations by their families, their cultures, or their religions, which is why they see them as, uh, as absolute rules or as higher rules. The proof to that is that morality has changed in every
1: culture, including among Christians over history. So then just in, in sum, just tell me if I'm accurate. That you you are open to evidence about miracles, you just haven't seen anything compelling yet. But you're you're always open to, to look into it. Yeah, I, it. I'm pretty sure that it will never come. But, oh, sorry, I thought it was done. <laughs> no, no, oh, oh, that's okay. Um, but I, I'll keep you giving you references as long as you're willing to check them out. But you, you did say you were open-minded. I, th- I thought you said that.
2: Yeah, I'm completely open-minded. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right, all right. You're predisposed to say it's not going to be, but open-minded. That secondly, <laughs> you did seek God for certain things experiences you never had them but if you did have those types of experiences it would make you question things was i correct in understanding that uh
2: depends on how you define experiences
1: well, the dream thing all that you said that that would get you wondering yeah that never happened of- I, was,
2: I was i'm really curious what happened to you for example i'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure
1: that didn't happen to you Got <laughs> but, oh, okay yeah. and that intelligence is on you've wondered about but there there are other reasons against it but that is something that you just keep looking at evidence and science. You're, you're In all honesty, thinking.
2: it was something that brought me closer to the to the question of whether there is design. But uh, looking at it, I don't think that there is intelligent design. I don't think that there is design. I don't think that there are any signs to intelligent design. I think the universe is full of chaos, full of uh, randomness, and full of uh, development uh, that, that doesn't have any design behind it. Got it. Okay.
1: Uh, and that there is no such thing as objective morality that I yeah. understood you correctly That's great morals. hey to to all the the uh fellow believers that are out here a p this is a great guy to pray for i I'm very interested to see what the future holds and uh anyway yeah thank I, you so much I appreciate that uh, oh thank, yeah and, and and thank you for for the interaction and for the challenges. Thank you, thank you so much. I really thank it. thanks James for the platform and letting us flex a little here. That was a quick half hour, wasn't it, man? That was. I, know,
2: I I thought we were we weren't even halfway through it, but yeah, I Are we getting to the now? Or?
3: Super enjoyable, both the chat as well as I personally. I was really enjoying. It. I was like, this is flowing really well. So Sweet. people really enjoyed this. And hey, <laughs> want to remind you folks, our guests are linked in the description as always, and. I have been to both of their channels. I've watched content on both of their channels. I can tell you lots of interesting and kind of diverse set of ideas there. And so, hey, what are you waiting for? This Q&A should be good as we've got a lot of great questions, folks. All of the questions related to the debate, I will read during the Q&A, given that we have enough time. And want to let you know any other questions that are unrelated or super stickers, stuff like that, just to save time and condense the Q&A so that we get the very best questions. I will read those others in the post-credit scene at the very end of the stream and say thank you to those people as well. But Silent Zero, thanks for your first question coming in saying, now some of these are comments as well as Super Chats, we allow comments. So they say, the mere fact that you name things and explain how they work AP doesn't subtract from the fact that they can be creations of God. We'll give you a chance to respond, AP.
2: I entirely agree. The issue is that uh, there is no reason for us to infer God in that. So why would we do that?
3: (laughs) You got it. And Mark Reed, thanks for your question, says, Dr. Brown, why are we unable to replicate these miraculous healings under test conditions? Why do doctors work in hospitals rather than faith healers?
1: Right. So miracles are exceptions to the rule. So miracles are not something, things that happen every day of the week. You have people in the Bible who are sick, people in the Bible who die. So the whole thing of a miracle is it's something exceptional, and it does get our attention. And the fact that we have doctors, the Bible even talks about about healing aspects of, you know, plants and things in nature, even talks about doctors. So we're all on the same side. In in other words, we're working together, recognizing that sickness in itself is is destructive and negative, negative. and and that we all stand together for healing, et cetera. Christians are constantly in hospitals praying, and and there are are miracles. There are times when God does these things, and they have been tested. The the two studies that I mentioned, which if you get uh, Randy Clark's eyewitness to miracles, he'll reference his doctoral dissertation with the breakdown of the 795 people that they prayed for, with metal implants and surgical problems in 2012 with the three different tests that they did of, of pain and, and other motion issues. And then the, the one in Mozambique where there's all this talk of healing. So four doctors went over there with equipment and said, okay, let's let's do that. So that, that has happened. There have even been double blind studies where names were given out to prayer teams to pray for people in, in a hospital. And, and neither per the people do not know who's being prayed for, who's not. And then much better recovery rights of the, those being prayed for. So it does it does happen in that way. But last thing is is most of this is relational. In other words, God working in people's lives. The the vast majority of healings I've heard about are not on TV. They're not on YouTube. When I'll ask you know someone uh, uh, on my Facebook page, on Ask Doctor Brown on the Facebook page, if you've had a miraculous healing, please post it. I've been stunned by things I've read. They said, oh yeah, doctors' reports and evidence, but. Most of it's just in people's lives, and then again, this is not something we just push your button and get a miracle all the time.
3: You got it, and thank you very much for your question. Hydrip X says, why, AP, do you think that you can fool God into revealing itself because he won't talk to us? God won't break his rules to prove you wrong.
2: Um... Well, my question is why this would be the way that God communicates if he does really want us to believe in him. I mean, my my point there is that... um, Humans make a lot of claims about God and, and, th- and that he exists and what he wants from us. They claim to understand God. They act like they know what God wants and how he, uh, how he works. The issue is that these are simply all humans telling us these things. Humans uh, that we are supposed to trust when we can't even trust our neighbors, when we can't even trust the people that we uh, work with, when we can't even trust our own families very often. Uh, we rely on ancient people... are supposed to have given us the message of God and we are supposed to trust what they think or what they say God said. Why is it not much simpler than that? There is no reason for God to hide himself for thousands of years if we are supposed to believe. I could be, if I genuinely want to believe, I believe that uh, everyone would want to believe in God if God did really exist. and. God could simply show himself. God could simply talk. God could simply come out of his hiddenness and people would believe. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way. All the miracles are simply uh, vague. None of them is extraordinary.
3: Gotcha. And this one coming in from Band for Life says, Dr. Brown, why would a God miraculously cure your hives? A condition, they put in parentheses, a condition with a viable treatment while allowing millions of innocent children children's cancer to progress unchecked?
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks for asking that. Uh, number one, this was just a sign to me as a brand new believer. It, it's that simple. Uh, of course, uh, a trillion times to one, I'd rather see these children healed, and it, it breaks my heart as well that that's the state of things. Um, but it was just a sign. It was, I, I had the treatment. I, I'd gotten highs before I was a, a believer and spread all over my body. Of course, you know, it's miserable. It's not like cancer, but it's, it's miserable, up all night itching and in calamine lotion baths and all this stuff, and then uh, got a course of medicine. It took 24 hours for any effect. And then after about seven days, the hives were finally cured by, by medicine. So I stopped taking the medicine and was on my way to school as a brand new believer and next thing it broke out all over my body and I was in panic because I'm at school and I've got no medicine. And even if I had, it, it's going to take a day to take effect. And just sat with a friend who was also a new believer and we prayed in less than two minutes. I mean, everything disappeared off my arms and body and never came back. So that was just a sign. Uh, I've had other conditions that I prayed for that haven't been been healed. And I was clear that most, uh, I've seen some healings with cancer, but the people I've been close to, the people I've known that I prayed for over a period of years uh, we lost them to cancer it's a fallen world it's a messed up world what's interesting is is that scripture indicates that god is not happy with this either that god grieves over these things as well there's even a text in mark one that the probably the best reading is that jesus was was angered by by the condition of a man who is suffering from severe debilitating skin condition uh, that we call leprosy now uh, in, in our translations and that, that he heals them because of that, that, that these are disfiguring things that God himself grieves over, that somehow in the world to come things will be set right. But, but I agree. Uh, there's much pain. There's much suffering. If we could just push a button make things happen a certain way, we would, which is all the more reason that, that we want to see the Lord return and put an end to this suffering.
3: Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. Joe, let me know if I pronounced it right. Joachim West. Joachim? Yo- I can't. Let me know. <laughs> Thank you for your question. It says I remember when you, Dr. Brown, went on Benny Hinn's show, and then they ask, "Is Benny Hinn's alleged supernatural acts fake, and your ex- alleged supernatural experiences real?"
1: I can't comment on uh, testimonies with Benny Hinn whatsoever. I, I went on the broadcast knowing it would be controversial because I wanted to reach his audience uh, to straighten out uh, a, a wrong teaching that was out there. So because he had the platform to that audience, I accepted his invitation to go on the air. And um, unfortunately the show <laughs> that, that we recorded that I addressed that, that major error that was out there never aired. Uh, so I, I can't attest to that. I don't know him. It's the only time I ever met him or spent any time with him. I've never been in, in one of his audiences to, to verify or, or did medical follow-up. So I have, I have no idea whatsoever. I know he's controversial and has a bad reputation in many circles, but uh, I'm not, uh, healing is not a th- thing, a major thing I focused on. I've simply provided documented evidence and it, it's out there. Again, Craig Keener's two volume study miracles, massive documentation in that, as well as dealing with philosophical issues. Randy Clark's eyewitness to miracles, Lee Strobel's the case for miracles. You'll, you'll find documented stories in detail there, but I'm, I'm not, uh to be perfectly clear, I'm not expecting anyone to believe my my story. I'm simply explaining why I, I know these things to be true. And it's perfectly fine if you're skeptical or mistrust me. And uh, I'm simply explaining why I believe and know these things to be true.
3: Gotcha. Thank you very much. And then Hydrip X says, AP, where do you get your morals from? And if he says his parents, where do they get it from? What his parents? What? Parent, like your uh, your mom and dad. Oh, my parent. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I I didn't get that part. Uh,
2: where do I take my morals from? Well, it's a complicated uh, thing. It's kind of. Um... Uh, Morals, usually when people ask about morals, especially from a religious perspective, they uh, usually imply that that we're talking about objective morals. I don't believe that such morals exist. When I talk about uh, morals, when I talk about things that are uh, right or wrong or good or bad, I'm usually talking uh, from a rather uh, utilitarian perspective, also from a compassion-based perspective, also from a perspective that is based on what is uh, good for the individual, not not good for the majority, but good for the human individual. Uh, where I take this from is that uh, I go through life, I see that, uh, for example, I see that people are suffering, I see that somebody is uh, in pain next to me, and something lights up in my brain, which makes me feel that pain that the other person feels. That can, even be scientifically traced and shown, my brain literally mirrors the, uh, what this other person goes through. If they have their, if if, if the other person is kicked in their testicles, my brain uh, emulates that, which is why I feel the urge to hold myself there. So I have this, uh, emo- this this empathy. This. Uh, Empathy is connection and this mirroring of what what happens to other people that is uh, directly here in my system, which, uh, as far as we see, humans have developed for functional purposes. Other other animals uh, have different versions of that or less developed versions of that. We have a very advanced version of that, based on the ability to have that connection, to have the empathy and that compassion. I uh, feel compassion for other people. I see their suffering and I want to prevent their suffering. I put myself in their position when somebody suffers and I can come and prevent their suffering. It makes me feel good. I feel I think about how I would like it, how I w- would feel better if somebody else came and helped me out of my misery. Uh, Got gotcha. So there is no need to somehow uh, take, you know, morals from some strange certain place. It is all functional and all part of my nature.
3: We'll jump into the next one. Captain V, thanks for your question, asked Dr. Brown, how can you differentiate a miracle from something that we just don't understand yet? If we don't know, why call it a miracle?
1: So if we have something that happens in a very specific way, in specific answer to prayer to this God who promised to do a particular thing, then the logical conclusion would be to go with the evidence that this was an answer to prayer and hence miraculous. Generally speaking, when a medical doctor will say, this is a miracle, we have no medical explanation, That that's what... They're saying, we have no medical, scientific, rational explanation for this. We can only say it's miraculous. Now, you, you could simply make the concept of miraculous impossible to simply say, well, no matter what happens, it's just something that we can't explain, but one day we will explain it. Well, that, to me, is, is a leap of faith in another direction. That's a leap of faith that denies evidence in front of your eyes. That, that's why I asked AP earlier, you know, what would be provable you know, so that we could have that, that very discussion. So some of the cases that I mentioned, you know, someone with scar tissue covering their eyes for, for over 50 years uh, to, to be healed and be able to see someone that is in hospice care with bodily functions, shutting down muscles, atrophied, We have all the evidence against that happening. For it to happen in specific answer to prayer, when, when someone hears a voice, God is saying, my child, get up and walk, and then everything reverses itself instantly, the only logical thing to conclude is, okay, this was an answer to prayer. And, and when it happens repeatedly in similar circumstances, then the only logical, rational thing would be to say, okay, this is God doing it. O- otherwise if no matter what happens, you say, well, we just don't have an explanation for it, then that to me is taking a leap of faith in another irrational direction.
3: You bet. And then this question comes in from Andrea Mello. Thank you very much. Says, I am from a libertarian background. I don't have problems with atheism. My problem is 98% of atheists are communists. I don't know if that's true but they say if they are libertarian it'd be better ap will give you a chance to defend your people uh the atheist community <laughs> is it really 98 percent communist
2: i think it really it depends very much on what country what place we're talking about in certain environments certain cultures uh many atheists are communists in other cultures they uh most of them are definitely not communists i would say that most atheists in America are definitely not communists. They're not even socialists, let alone communists. Uh, might be a huge <laughs> exaggeration. Might it's be a little interesting.
3: Of... You bring up a good point, though, which I hadn't thought of, namely that there are huge swaths or huge, gigantic proportions of atheists spread around the globe, and that uh, United States atheists, for example, are a small proportion. But nonetheless, we'll jump to the next one, Jerry.
2: If I can add, I I know for a fact that uh, many atheists in Turkey are, for example, um, communists. That is a very popular atheistic position in Turkey. The same cannot be said for atheists in the West. They don't like communism as much.
3: (laughs) Gotcha. And this one coming in from Jared Buffington says, If a doctor does indeed claim a miracle has happened, how do we know that God had performed this miracle? How does that determine the God Jehovah is real?
1: All right, so again, let's take a situation like this woman Barbara, and just to just read the the details here. Um, okay, so degenerating with MS over a 16-year period, uh, she spent months in hospitals often from pneumonia. One diaphragm was paralyzed, rendering a lung non-functional. The other lung, lung operated less than 50 percent. A tracheostomy tube was inserted into her neck with oxygen pumped from canisters in her garage. She lost control of her urination and bowels. Catheter was inserted into her bladder. Ileostomy was performed with a bag attached for bodily waste. She went legally blind. Feeding tube was inserted in her stomach. Her doctor said her abdomen was so swollen grotesquely because the muscles of her intestine did not work. She now needed continuous oxygen. Her muscle joints and muscle joints were becoming contracted and deformed because she could not move or exercise them. Uh, she hadn't been able to walk for seven years she was confined to bed her body twisted like a pretzel into a fetal position hands were permanently flexed to the point that her fingers nearly touched her wrist her feet were locked in a downward position uh, she was in a home hospice care with less than six months to live there was uh, an outpouring of prayer for her a christian radio station got reported this and asked for prayer for her by name shortly after that she heard a voice say to her my child get up and walk she called in her family so they could witness the miracle and they came in, she's standing on legs that had not supported her for years. She was breathing uh, normally with her lungs. Her vision was back. She was no longer short of breath, etc. Her contractions were gone. So Christians that believe in this God of the Bible prayed. She hears a voice, my child, that's God speaking to her, get up and walk. And this miracle takes place And two doctors wrote, wrote books about the healing. When this happens in, in place after place, in case after case around the world, not all on that level, but all prayer to the God of the Bible in Jesus' name, then you would say, okay, that God is really there answering. It's just, it's one part of the evidence. And for sure, if it happened to you, you'd believe that way.
3: You bet. And this one coming in from X says, AP, if God did come to you in a dream and told you things, would you keep searching for answers or would you just keep going back to God?
2: Um, I would probably think, wow, that was a weird dream. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know what I would do afterwards. I would probably just uh, go on and think about what that dream meant to me. Uh, but I don't think it would really change very much about how I think about God at all. As said, in the uh, in an early example given by Dr. Brown, if I had the same exact dream for five consecutive nights and then the following day it actually happens exactly the same way as I dreamt it, then I would probably think, okay, okay, there's something really wrong about this. I must inspect that further. But I assure you, I can almost definitely say that that never happened to anybody. And I I hope it would happen to me. I really hope it would happen to me but it, <laughs> I don't think it will.
3: Gotcha. And Le- Night HVAC says, if God just made himself known, people wouldn't appreciate his grace and they would take him for granted like humans do. Read John twenty, twenty-seven through 29. Get each of your thoughts, if each of you would like to respond to that.
1: Yeah, well, obviously, just, just like a woman who's respectable, you know, maybe she's 20 years old and marriageable, Uh, and respectable woman. She just doesn't give herself to any guy that glances at her. You know, trust has to be earned and and love has to be proven and things like that. So there are aspects to us seeking God, to what's made of us through this, to the growth that comes through it, uh, that yes, God is not just our celestial buddy. We don't just push a button and get miracles, you know, lay in bed in the morning, God, send in all the money I need, send in all the food I need. We know anything in life that's just to be challenged in order for there to be growth. So, of course, it's not just going to be some unfettered vision of God. Okay, AP wants it like this. Mike Brown wants it like this. This guy wants it like that. She wants it like this. So, yes, uh, we we do learn in these ways. But I would say very clearly that he does reveal himself if we truly seek him and humble ourselves. And many times it's a process of years. So as I hear AP, I hear a man on a journey. That's that's what I hear. And I'm, I'm very hopeful because again, we, we just met tonight. I didn't know really anything about his background until just moments before the show. So when I hear your tone, even though you're skeptical and, and are sure XYZ hasn't happened, I don't hear a, a, an outright hostility in you and a mockery of, of those who would believe and a disdain of, yeah, no way this could ever happen. So I, I look at you as on a journey and, and when you reach the destination, my as I hope, then you'll say, hey, now I understand the process, and it made sense.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, what was the question again, James? Sorry, I, I, sure. I, I, I can't. no problem. I
3: should... They said, if God just made himself known, people wouldn't appreciate his grace, and they would take him for granted like humans do. Read, then they say, Gospel of John 20, 27 through 29.
2: Well, I would say that that, that that is kind of just a... Um an excuse to be very honest i simply do not see any reason for uh god not to reveal himself i'm pretty sure that uh so many more people would believe than disbelief in a god if the god if god did indeed reveal himself most people who disbelieve including myself and Including every atheist that I have encountered, every ex Muslim that I have encountered, and many of the ex Christian atheists that I've seen, every single one of these atheists that I've encountered. Uh, They disbelieve because they don't believe they are not convinced they are unconvinced. They don't disbelieve because uh, they know that it's true. And they simply just don't want to. That's a uh, misconception that some people actually hold that people simply refuse to believe that's not true. I mean, I cannot imagine anyone actually doing that. People are simply not convinced, which is why they do not believe if I was convinced, if I did see the evidence, I would definitely believe but I'm not convinced. And uh, I I think the excuse that people would um, simply not appreciate God if he did show himself is rather just just an excuse. If there is a God and if we are to believe in him, he should He would make it much easier. I'm not judging God. I'm simply saying that this is, uh, to me, this is inconsistent with the logic and the morality, the uh, self-proclaimed morality of God and of these religions, especially if this God is supposed to be uh, forgiving and loving. I think I know many people, including myself, and I don't like to boast, but I just, I'm saying this, I know many people who are more loving and more forgiving than this proposed God. And I don't see this out of hostility, I just think that's a huge problem to the logic of God.
3: Next one from David Bowersox, thanks so much, says, most cordial theistic debate must have a round two. And I've got to tell you, for real, I I think this is one of our highest quality debates we've ever had. It's really been a super joy to have you guys. And so this next question from Duke of Sahib, and then folks will be in less than 10 minutes, we'll be done with the Q&A. We want to get our guests out of here. Uh, I think they're already in overtime, so we appreciate them being so gracious with their time. And so we cannot take any more new questions, but Duke of Sahib, thank you for your question, said, Dr. B, there have been over 60 physician-reviewed miracles in Lourdes, France. Would you consider that evidence for the Catholic Church being true and the papacy being legitimate?
1: Ah, another great question. Um, I'd have to look at those. I've heard the reports. I'd have to look at them. Obviously, I'm not Catholic, so that's, that's a great question. There's even an argument that the, the Protestant Reformation, some of the early founders of it, pulled away from the miraculous because of the Catholic arguments on that behalf. Uh, if, in fact, there were miracles that are documented that took place, I would not reject them as miracles. if they were documented, I would not reject them as miracles. then the question would be, okay, are these demonic counterfeits because of a counterfeit faith in Mary or the papacy or are these things that God did through Jesus graciously despite spiritual ignorance? The latter would be my likely conclusion that there were people ultimately praying to to God believing in Jesus and obviously thinking there was an apparition of of Mary. But if if the miracles were documented, I I would have the same standard. In other words, I wouldn't throw them out because it it varies with my theology. But I wouldn't take that as verification of every aspect of of doctrine, uh, because ultimately I'm going to go to the one thing that we agree on, which is the authority of Scripture. So that's that's another excellent question, though, that should be explored in more depth, which is uh, what can we deduce from miracles? What can we deduce doctrinally from miracles? What does the Bible tell us about that? What the Bible does tell us is that ultimately everything must be tested by scripture. And the Bible does even say Deuteronomy 13, that if someone works a miracle and then says, follow the gods, God's actually testing you. So there could be that aspect of, of God testing to see if we'll follow the miracles only, or if the miracles will point us back to him. And, I know this is not the time for back and forth, but I do just want to say AP that there are plenty of people who reject God because they don't want God because they, they want to run their own lives and they don't want to be accountable to anyone. So when you think everyone would believe if he was revealed, I wish that was the case. I wish that was the case. Anyway, I violated the rule there by referring to a previous comment, but I've been I've been meaning to say that for a bit. Can I
2: add a quick comment to what to your answer to the question? It's like one sentence. Okay, okay, one sentence. Well, uh you know everyone can claim that the miracles of others are simply a test for them it's very simple
3: we'll jump into this next one andrea Mello, thank you very much says why oh this back to the uh, communists they said why most part of atheists are communists and have as a religion the state said look if the atheists are libertarian atheists it'd be great for everyone Gotcha. You got it. So definitely pushing the uh, politics in tonight, but a fun intersection. Any responses? Otherwise, we'll jump to the next one.
1: Next oh, yeah. one. Well, I mean, uh,
2: communism is simply an, an ideology that kind of requires uh, atheism to be more precise, state atheism. Because uh, one of the one of the major founders of the idea of communism directly ruled out uh, religion as a an, an illusion that is meant to give humans uh, pleasure and meaning in life, but that it's a false and uh, detrimental solution. Of course, communism itself came up with an an alternative to, to religion that is uh, just as bad as as this supposed detriment of religion, or maybe even arguably worse. So, um, yeah. I don't, know, I don't want to get political, but yeah, that's, that's my view on that.
3: No problem. And and Abu Hizab, thanks for your question, said, Dr. Brown, want to let you know that Zakir Hussain is a Muslim that would love to debate you. So, juicy. And Kyle Myers, thanks for your question, said, to AP, at what point is the evidence enough to convince you, and are you allowing the evidence to convince you?
2: Well, I said... Um, <clears throat> As said, uh, I'm completely open to evidence, but uh, to me, evidence would be Something that I, I, I don't think that there is any evidence. I don't think evidence exists. When we talk about scientific evidence, it doesn't exist. Uh, there is no bridge of evidence leading to God. When we talk about uh, miracles as evidence, I always thought that miracles are a very weak path to God. Even when I was a believer in Islam, I thought that same thing, uh, ironically. But uh, I think to such an extraordinary claim, the evidence should be very extraordinary it shouldn't rely on things like i don't know people healing or people having a dream or people walking or having a coincidence or praying for certain people the evidence should be mind-blowing undeniable such as as said that a leg grows back or descends from the sky why can't it just happen why do we have to rely on such on such vague things you bet you know?
1: and ooh. by the way just the zakir hussein thing uh, yes we we dialogued and we were supposed to a debate in England uh, the last couple of years, uh, a joint debate with Dr. James White and I with Zakir and a colleague, and then one or two debates just with the two of us, not focusing on on Islamic texts, but but areas where where we could interact on on mutual uh, expertise. So those those just never happened. Uh, there was an inability to get uh, campuses set up by the the Islamic organizer, and then COVID took things out. But be very happy to do it. We did extend an invitation to him to join me on a, on a new TV show that's about to launch on the Awakening Network called "That's Debatable." Uh, but he uh, instead recommended um, another Muslim debater uh, who who uh, he and I debated is Quran versus Scripture is the Word of God. So Zach, here like had that recent opportunity, thought this other gentleman would be a better candidate, and then subjects ended up switching. But yeah, by all means, I hope we have the opportunity to do that.
3: You bet. And this one from Blue Heron says, Dr. Brown, they're asking, they think that uh, the quote, the alleged quote from Darwin, they say they think that it's from the Architects of the Culture of Death by Marco and Weicker.
1: Okay, actually, I, I, I got that. A book I was reading recently by, I believe Richard Simmons, reflections on the existence of God. Uh, he seems to have been very accurate and meticulous in his in his quoting of sources, and I I just grabbed that and and put those uh, put some of those notes together uh, last night earlier today, and I said to myself, I should verify that quote to see that it's it's actually from Darwin, uh, because of the the source in which it was quoted. I. I I took for granted it was accurate, but the, the scholar in me said better check on that. So I will absolutely do that. If, if I in any way attributed something false to Darwin, uh, I apologize. I have enough profound differences without that. But the point I was making stands that we all reject that. We, we are all repulsed by that, that concept. Why? Because of the, the moral law that God put in our hearts, because of human consciousness, because of the, the recognition of such a thing as justice and injustice but I will definitely check on that uh, to verify it and it's something I would normally have, have done and and want to do earlier just just neglected to so uh, any lack there I apologize for if it's accurate it's accurate but either way the point I was making wasn't even that Darwin said it the point I was making is we are universally repulsed by the very concept but but we'll we'll both dig and, and we'll, we'll come to the actual root on on the accuracy of that quote thanks
3: You got it. Thanks for your humility, and thank you. Captain V says, where is the faith in saying, I don't know? Not sure what their point was. though. Next one, Snake was right, says, why would God wait for humans to ask for his healing will to be done? Why not just do that will? Who's that for? That's a good question. I would think it's for you, Dr. (laughs) Brown, but I'm not certain. I also know that they're an atheist, so that's why I'm—
1: thinking. Oh, well, okay. Number number one, I do believe God expects us to do his will, but if we don't know he's there, we don't know that he's real, why would someone do it? In other words, let's say you're raised in a non-religious home and you're confronted with Islam says this and Christianity says this and Judaism says this and this philosophical system says that, then you'd want to know, okay, is there really a God? Did he put me here? Am I accountable? If so, who is the real God? And then, um, then you could determine whether to act on it. Uh, As far as as healing, uh, Paul recommends to Timothy to to drink a little wine, which is used medicinally because of his constant uh, stomach ailments. And, you know, the Bible speaks of the balm of Gilead that was just like a a healing balm. So um, I'm all for medical practice. When when someone is sick, you know, one of my friends uh, says that his policy is if, if someone collapses, you know, it's an emergency, call one, call 911 and then pray. So you do what you know how to do, and then you ask God to intervene to do what only he can do. But by all means, if we don't take care of our bodies, if we don't eat right, if we don't live right, we have no reason to expect that God will constantly bail us out for destroying our health.
2: Can I can I uh, give a response to that too
3: quickly? Super quick one.
2: Yeah, um, so, so, so what I would think is that... Um, As long as you want to believe that a certain thing is uh, related to a certain prayer that you just did, you can find a way to believe that. If you want to believe a certain thing to be true, you can find a way to believe that. There are many cases in the world where uh, seemingly inexplicable, strange things happen in uh, medicine or in science that uh, are completely unrelated to any prayers or any religions. Things happen in China, in India, in other cultures. And In those other cultures, people also usually attribute them to their own religion as being true. Hindus believe, uh, I've seen many Hindu examples where they believe that Sticking around with certain saints is the reason why they, they suddenly healed. I want to apply Occam's razor here, which is that uh, you would always go with that explanation, which requires the fewest assumptions. And assuming that it happened because of God is one that has the largest amount of assumptions with no evidence. So why would you go with that?
1: Yeah. By, by the way, just, just doing an internet search while listening to every word that AP just said, what I'm seeing is referring to Darwin's The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. That was the full title of it. So this is allegedly is Darwin, but I'm, anyway, well, I'll keep digging to be sure.
3: Gotcha. Want to let you know, folks, we really do appreciate our guests. We want to respect their time as they are already here beyond the time that they had promised. So we really do want to encourage you to check out their links, folks. If you are here this long into the debate, first... I understand because it was a great one, but also it makes sense. You'd probably enjoy these guys' content. So you can click on those links in the description box. And that includes if you're listening via podcast. So the Modern Day Debate channel does have a podcast. And so you can find our guest links in the description box for this episode. And with that, I want to say thank you so much, Dr. Michael Brown, as well as Apostate Prophet. It has been a true pleasure to host you guys.
2: Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this, Dr. Brown. I think uh, it was amazing to have this connection, this conversation. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, and yeah, thanks for reaching out to me to, to do it and James for hosting it. it. It's a delight. And and hopefully we can get to, to know each other uh, off the air as well. So God bless and, and thank you for doing this. Thank you.
3: Thank you guys. And folks, we will be right back with a post-credit scene in just a moment. So stick around for that as we will talk about upcoming debates, for example, including the one that you see here on the bottom right of your screen that you don't want to miss. So stick around and we'll be right back or I'll be right back in just a moment.